KMTT, Kimitzion Teitei Torah. You're listening to the Arab Shabbat program, Arab Shabbat Kodesh, Parshat Shlachlacha, Kaf Bet Sivan. The Arab Shabbat program is Lilui Nishmat Shlomo Yosef Ben Chaim Shmuel, and I'm your host Jonathan Snowbell. In the events of this past week, it's easy to get carried away. and try to make some sort of message that relates to this week's events and relates to the Parsha. Maybe we'll do that, but as students of the Torah, we are obliged to learn the Torah, and if there's a message that's relevant there for for the picking, then we can utilize it, but we can't have the messages that we want to say then and then fit them into the Torah because that's not an honest, objective look into the Torah that's tailoring the Torah to fit our messages we don't like to do that this week's Parsha is Parshat Maraglim and A good student of Parshat Maraglim will know to flip back and forth between Parshat Shlach and Parshat Varim in order to get the full message of what's going on here. I'm going to put the stress on one important point. We call it Tchet Maraglim, the sin of the spies, Parshat Maraglim. The Meraglim themselves seem to take a prominence within the sin. But of course, the entire nation was punished. And it's important to understand the role of the nation then within the sin. Because it's easy to walk away with an impression that the nation was led astray by the leadership. In other words, not Moshe and Aaron and Kalev and Yoshua, but the majority of the leadership, the ten Meraglim, who led them astray. And what what is so bad about a nation listening to the majority of its leadership? For this... They don't go into Eretz Yisrael for this. As the Gemara and Sanhedrin that we just went through in this week's Daf Yomi, that they don't have a chilek l'olam dor bar. So we'll start actually from Sefer Dvarim. And let's read there how the Torah depicts the turn of events. Torah describes that B'nai Israel request that some sort of scouting mission will go, that will come back and report to us which way we should go in to conquer Israel, which cities we should come to first. And Moshe agrees. Moshe says this is a good thing. And I chose out 12 individuals one person per Shevet. And the Torah describes that they 
they go to Eretz Yisrael and they come back, and they report, Tova ha'aretz asher Hashem alokeinu noten lanu. That's how in Sefer Dvarim the Torah describes the report of the Meraglim. And then it says, V'lo avitem la'alot, v'tamruot pi Hashem alokechem. And you did not want to go up, and you rebelled against the word of Hashem. V'teragnu v'olechem v'tomru, b'sinat Hashem otanu otzianu me'eretz mitzrayim l'tet otanu b'yadahem morila shmidenu. And you sat in your tents, and you said, God, with God's hate of us, He took us out of Mitzrayim in order to give us in the hands of the MRE to destroy us. And only now, in this third Pasuk, B'nai Yisrael relate, Ana, Anachnu, Olim, where are we going to? Achenu, Heimasot, Levavenu, Lemor, Am Gadol, Varam, Imenu, Arim, Gedolot, Vetzorot, Bashamayim, Vegam, B'nai Anakim, Reinu, Sham. Our brothers melted our hearts when they said there's a greater nation from us with great cities that are walled cities and we saw the sons of giants there. It's an amazing impression when we read the first couple of Sukim that we get the impression the Meraglim came and said it's a good land and Ben Israel refused this. Only in the third pasuk do the does the nation relate to what the what the what the Meraglim actually reported that the, the people are great, the cities are great, there are giants there. In the depiction of Chedem Meraglim in Sefer Dvarim. The people who are put in the forefront as being at fault are the nation, not the Maraglim. If we go back to Parshat Shlach, we know that the Maraglim were asked to report about who the people were, what the cities were like. So when they come back and they say, Firstly, they say, yes, it's an Eretz Zavad Chalav Udvash, and this is its fruit. And then they say, Ephes ki az ha'am. And Ephes, I would translate as but, however. Az ha'am ha'yoshev ba'aretz. The people in the land are strong. And the cities are fortified. And we saw the children of the giants. Exactly what we saw in Dvarim. Amalek Yoshev Eretz HaNegev, Amalek sits in the south, and the Chiti and the Yibusi sit in the mountain, and the Kanani live on the coast. And the Ramban here has great difficulty understanding if at all the Naraglim said something wrong. Because, why does he think the Maraglim said something wrong? Because Kalev interjects here. The Ramban understands that if Kalev interjected here, it's because the Maraglim have already said something slanderous, implied something 
that would make B'nai Israel not want to go to Eretz Israel, and Kalev therefore interjects. And the Ramban puts his finger on the word Ephes, the word that I translated as however, or but, he says Ephes means there's no hope because of the following. However, Ephes, it's interesting to note, my wife pointed this out to me this year, Kalev does interject at this point, but in which direction does he interject? Vayahas Kalev, Vayahas means he, shh, he shashed them. Who should he be shashing? Well, who is talking previously? The people who were talking previously were the Meraglim. So we should read in the next Pasuk, Vayas Kalev et ha'anashim, et ha'meraglim. But what we find is, Vayas Kalev et ha'am. In other words, if we read closely the Psukim, we will see that what the Torah is implying, that perhaps, until this point, the Meraglim have only given a very objective account based on the questions that Moshe told them to report about. The people are strong, the cities are fortified, the nations sit in these and these places. Thus far, a very objective report. Nothing wrong yet. However, the nation has translated this negatively. What? They're strong. What? The cities are fortified. This is no good. We can't do this. And Kalev then interjects and interrupts the people. And he shushes the people. Vayaz Kalev etam. El Moshe. No. Apparently, if Kalev is saying, we can go and do this, somebody was saying, we can't do this. And though the Ramban wants to say that the Meraglim have said, we can't do this, based on the word FS, I think a close read of the Psukim implies, and when we read it in Sefer Dvarim, it's almost explicit, the nation interpret the objective report of the Meraglim to mean that the mission is hopeless. And Kalev then interjects to the people and say, it's not true. At this point, the Meraglim, I would almost say now, Influenced by the people's reaction, the Miraglim, now they'll say, Now they say, now, and I stress, now they say, we cannot go up to, the, to these and fight the people, they're stronger than us. And they bring in Eretz El-Khel it's the land that eats, it's the, 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 the people who dwell within it. Now the Miraglim certainly feeding off the negative feelings of the nation from their initial objective report, they start giving commentary. We can't do this. It's a bad land. It's a land with people that are stronger than us. 
And so then, the question is, well then, who's to blame? If the Maragalim came back with an initial objective report, which fit what Moshe had asked them to report about, the nation, apparently, as is implied in Shlach, and as it is explicit in Dvarim, interprets this to mean that we cannot go to Eretz Yisrael. And then the Meraglim, feeding off the nation's negative feelings towards Eretz Yisrael and going to Eretz Yisrael, then really start bad-mouthing Eretz Yisrael. We can ask ourselves the question of the chicken and the egg. Is it the nation, or is it the Meraglim? We're at fault here. Because it appears that before anything, any commentary of the Meraglim came out as to whether we could do this or not, B'nai Israel have already concluded that we cannot. Again, as is explicit in Sefer Devarim, you did not want to go. And is implied here in Shlach. Clearly the Meraglim afterwards, in any case, take B'nai Israel's feelings and fill it in with their own commentary as eyewitnesses in Eretz Israel, And they become deserving of a punishment that they die on the spot, whereas B'nai Israel will only die over 40 years in the Midbar. What's interesting to note, and our time is short right now, is that a close read in Pergudalad, the 14th chapter, in Psukim, Kafvav and An, if you read carefully, you will be confused as to who God is addressing there. Admatai la'ida hara'a hazot. How long shall I bear the evil with this evil congregation? And I read carefully, I'm not going to get into the details because I don't have time. Who is God addressing here? Is God addressing the Eidah, the congregation of Israel? Or is God addressing the Eidah, Hara'ah Hazot, the Meten Meraglim? And if you read carefully, you'll see that it's Ambiguous, And the ambiguity here, of course, is not accidental. It is intentional. Because here is where the Torah is presenting this back and forth of a blame between the nation and the Meraglim. The nation, apparently, if we read Sefer Bamidbar carefully, has never really gotten over Mitzrayim, has never really gotten over slavery, and any bit of information that they can translate into why they shouldn't go into Eretz Yisrael, they will grab at that opportunity. All of this leads us to a conclusion that... we have to really carefully look at our reality and evaluate it clearly and not allow
our emotions and our preconceived notions to guide us. Because living in today's world, we all dream of having a God like the God that took B'nai Israel out of Mitzrayim, who does miracles left, right, and center. And we said, if we had a God like that, it was doing the ten makot and was being Korah Yamsuv and appeared on Har Sinai, we would all be so dedicated and devoted to God. And here B'nai Israel, who had that God, couldn't believe that this God who's performed all these miracles could take them into Eretz Yisrael. Because apparently they didn't want to believe that. They allowed their preconceived notions of their limitations interfere with their ability to go into Eretz Yisrael. Just a quick word about this week's events. We should really carefully evaluate this week's news events, not using our preconceived notions, but using the facts. We should ask ourselves, even if we got into a situation which we shouldn't have gotten into, but within that situation we were attacked with metal rods and knives, getting the beating of our lifetime, in which someone was hitting us over every part of our body with bats. If we had an opportunity to protect ourselves, would we? I think the answer to that is quite obvious. We would protect ourselves with any means available to us to save our lives. And that doesn't address the question, something that I don't know the answer to, why this was the best way of commandeering these ships and taking them to the port of Ashdod. But it would be a humble thing to say that on five of the six ships, the IDF boarded and they took the ships into Ashdod without any major incident. On one ship, that didn't work. Does that show poor planning? Perhaps. But if on five of the ships that plan worked then maybe it wasn't such a crazy plan afterwards. Let's hope next week we can talk about better news. I can tell you that in the Parsha, we're not going to be able to talk about better news, but hopefully in current events we will. Have a Shabbat Shalom.